Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Awakening with Sarah. I'm your host, Sarah Adams, musician and transformational life coach, bringing you powerful wisdom, helpful tools, and inspiring music to support you on your journey of awakening. In this episode, we are featuring Mandy Oler, Family Travel Guide Specialist. Mandy Oler is the co-founder of Two Travel Businesses, where she and her husband Garrett help families affordably discover the world together without sacrificing the fun stuff. One of their core values is the importance of family travel. They believe that traveling together creates unbreakable connections and a stronger family unit. Mandy says, when we take time to pause from our daily routines and immerse ourselves into different cultures, foods, and beautiful nature, we also discover who we are and where we belong as citizens of the world. When we travel together, the intentional time spent and the experiences we have create a solid foundation for our kids to cling to as they grow and venture out into the world. Like most of us who don't have the luxury of traveling to a new place every month, they continue their travels at home by virtually exploring museums, tasting international restaurants in their community, making recipes at home, and planning for future trips. They share their resources with families who love learning about the world through a subscription box called Take Me With You box. You can find more information about their membership at www.takemewithyoubox.com or on Instagram and Facebook at TakeMeWithYouBox. For those who are ready to get their passports stamped, Mandy and Garrett host workshops teaching parents how to maximize the family budget and still get to those bucket list destinations without cutting out the extras. You can find more information about what they're doing at www.connectedfamilytravel.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Connected Family Travel. And so let's welcome Mandy to the show. Welcome, Mandy. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. I'm excited. I'm uh excited for the the conversation that you know that i can learn from you as well so this will be fun yes yes so i guess the first question for you is you know kind of tell us tell us what you do i i was reading through some of the description and it sounds very unique and timely um but i'd love to have you unfold it for us and and kind of tell us you know how did you begin to do this and what exactly is it that you do yeah, sure. So uh, I'm a mom of two. Currently, my boys are in their teenage years. And um, we have always had this kind of this deep down desire to travel the world. I grew up traveling with my grandfather, who um, I admired his passport that was just full of stamps and, you know, multiple passports that he had, right? And the stories that he would tell us of these far off places he'd been. And uh, I don't know, there was just something in me that was just, uh, it's in my blood to travel. So that was something uh, when I met my husband that we just knew we would travel and, and he wanted that as well. But uh, as we got into our early married days, we 
and our mortgage and our car payments and you know all the things that we get sucked into right the American yes. dream they call it um, <laughs> and we found that we could not travel uh, we we didn't have the money we didn't have the ability to go and do the things that we wanted to do and uh, we're just not the kind of people to take no for an answer <laughs> so yes I can figure it yeah, we had to figure out how we could still travel um, in the ways that we could, right? So we did quite a few road trips. Um, we live in Utah, and it's beautiful here. So there's a lot to see here. Lots of people come in and experience our state. But um, we also did quite a few road trips out of the state and just as much as we could, you know, as far as we could. But it still just felt like it wasn't enough. And so we learned a few things along the way. We learned how to use like credit card rewards programs and things like that to fund our travels. And, you know, over time, we learned how to use them better so that we weren't wasting all of our points on one trip. And then we, you know, and had kids. And then it became a little harder to use those points because they didn't stretch as far and, you know, flights became more expensive and right. things just started kind of compounding. But um, we noticed that that root value of travel for us was just always there. And so whatever we had to do to figure it out, we were going to make it work. And, and that's just kind of who who we are. Uh, we DIY a lot of our home projects. We renovated three houses mm. uh, and we just... I don't know. We just kind of figure it out. If we don't know how, we'll learn it. We'll figure it out. We'll do it. We'll make it work. And and that's just kind of a, a core value for us as a family. So that's that's kind of where we're at now. So now we teach people how to do this for themselves. We teach them how to use credit card rewards programs. But um, what happened to us during the pandemic that you know nobody was traveling all you know all of our right. our um fun travel was gone and so we had to figure out how to continue to still learn about the world how to raise our kids to be curious world citizens and so we came up with a little travel from home subscription box and it's kind of just like a family night activity that we do with our kids but um they have helped us now to grow this box and to Put the right activities in there that are fun for kids but also entertaining for parents too and you know just fun ways for us to learn about the world um and you know exciting things that we didn't know uh before we had learned about that destination uh, we also encourage people in our box to kind of look into their own neighborhood so play a little bit of tourist in your own town, if you will, and go and check out, you know, maybe that restaurant that you've passed by a few times that you're kind of afraid to try, but <laughs> right. be a little brave and, you know, step out of that and just, you know, get to know the people in your community that, that maybe don't share the same cultural um, experience that you do. So that's, that's where we're at now. We're just uh, living in a way that inspires our kids and you know inspires other people to to also raise their kids in a similar way that's beautiful and I love the way you know we talked a little bit um off the record about how you really love creating quality having quality time you know with yeah. the family and how this is a beautiful way to both learn about the world and have these bonding experiences where you're all together and you're having this beautiful activity. So it sounds wonderful. 
I don't have children, but I'm like, my inner children are like, yes, I want to get a box. I want to yes. get this. And, and really, we, we focus a lot on families, but it's for anybody. It's for friends. It's for, you know, mm -hmm. we, we encourage you to do the box with somebody because there is such a fun um, a memory that you create with someone when you are learning about a country together with them. You know, when you're doing the activity together, um, you know, I've, I've had sisters do it. I've had moms adult moms do it with their um with their grandparents and things and they just they're just creating this intentional time to to learn but also to have fun and to do something that's totally unique so yeah um focused oh. time that intentional time is really big for us and i think i think that kind of started when the kids were really little we we were just kind of bored you know he's sitting around doing, <laughs> yeah doing all the things um but there were just there was just a lack there was a lack of connection there was a lack of um understanding where our kids were coming from and so we just started including them into the activities that we were planning and including them into you know the trips that we were going to take and we give them a strong voice in helping us plan those trips so that they that they can always know there's something fun for them to do, right? They, we give them we give them um, their options, but uh, we don't let them run wild with all the choices. But but uh, we do listen to what they want. We listen to to the things that they're interested in. We try to plan these trips around their unique interests as well. And uh, because of that, they now feel like they have a more strong connection to us as parents because. You know, when I was growing up as as a kid, I didn't feel like I had a voice at home at all. I, yeah, I love uh, that you're giving them that voice, you know, because it becomes kind of child centered. And yeah. when we know that we have, you know, it's kind of like saying you matter. You yeah, know, you matter. You're a part of this. And, and I think that fosters this, you know, self-esteem that's very important and yeah. really starts to um benefit them as they grow you know and rip right. out to really really positively so i think that's wonderful yeah, yeah. Well, we've we focused so much on it that we actually created what we call a belonging wall in our home and it's one of the first walls you pass when you walk through our doors so anybody that comes to our home gets to see this but um, we let our kids pick some of their favorite memories and you know photos and they um you know they got to choose from kind of a narrowed selection but uh you know what do you what do you want to put on our wall what makes you feel like you belong here in this home and what are some of your Aww. favorite things that we've done and and there are a few quotes and things that we have on that wall but now when they pass by that wall they know that you know they're reminded of these fun things that we've done together sometimes it's as simple as you know we went to the park and played tennis together which started a habit that now you know quite often we'll go and play tennis not, not that any of us know how to play tennis it's just something fun that we <laughs> do as fun. yeah and and so we have this this place that they can go when they feel maybe they're feeling a little down for the day and they they walk past the wall and they think okay I'm home this is where I belong these people love me and here's a reminder of all the times when when we've created these memories together so that is so, so beautiful. I love that. Hey, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. As a musician and a lover of music, I'm like, hmm, 
Do you have like music from the different countries in your box? And we do. So one of the one of the cool things about it is that you can go anywhere in the world and be completely transformed. You know, as you know, as a musician, you understand what happens to your body when you listen to certain music, right? Yes. And so when you when you listen to something from, uh, say, we did Ukraine recently in our box, and you oh, yeah. listen to this Ukrainian folk music, and it's unlike anything anywhere else. And so that's actually one of the very first experiences that people have with that country. When they open the box, there's a little QR code inside the box. They click on the QR code, and they get to listen to the playlist that I've created for them with the music of the country. Oh, and, so beautiful. Depending on like where it is, sometimes it's folk music. And so it's, you know, more of older traditions and things. And sometimes it's a, a conglomeration of like, um, you know, old things, new things and everything in between. Um, but it really gets you to understand the people more in a way that that you don't get without that. I think music is such an important way to get to know people. It so is, isn't it? It immediately like immerses you into the almost like the the energy signature of that of, yeah. of culture. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so beautiful. Like um, we were learning an African an African song, you know, from um, Burkina Faso every oh. day in choir, and it's just like. The minute you start singing that and the drum beat and you're like, well, okay, this is the celebration for the harvest and the protection prayer for the whole people. And, and it's almost like you merge for a bit into that, that experience. And it's like, whoa, okay. And then, um, black lady, I think it's called lady Smith, lady Smith, black Mombazo. I love saying that they have some of that just incredible there's just so much joy in that music. And it's interesting because one of the things that I really appreciate about um, Africa and some of the countries that we call underdeveloped, you know, from, from the United States point of view, we'd say that country is, you know, underdeveloped and somehow we're, we're ahead of them in production and blah, 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 you know, quote, progress. Right. But the children in these villages that have almost nothing they have the capacity for joy and presence yeah way more than we do here i mean i'm not saying that nobody's happy but i'm saying like you know if we were to like take a measurement and look at the average um and i've i've been learning a lot about um brain fusion and the you know our body has all these different brains and what brings happiness a state of like basic happiness is when all the brains are in fusion yeah. and alignment right and so they've done like you know studies and finding that some of these really underdeveloped countries where there's very little you would think okay this is poverty and the children are playing with a rock and a stick and, and it's joyful as happy as can be their brains are all in fusion you know their life is very simple and yet they have that capacity for joy and that joy is in the music and also they have that capacity for honoring grief you know a lot in in america we're kind of getting into different tracks here but i've been doing my friend leads these beautiful um grief ceremonies and she learned them from um 
Melodoma Somme and uh, boy, it's escaping me her name. Subon, Subonfu. And she came to America and taught us how to grieve here, right? Because in Africa, you grieve. You know, yeah. when someone dies, the whole village sets up this space for weeping and wailing. And, and it's just this beautiful ceremony that everyone goes through together. And so that's just like this example, right, of how a culture can be so rich and so deep, even though we feel it, you know, in a, less than like a progressive society. And if we don't listen to that music and study about that country, we miss that. Right. We, right. we miss that. Well, and, and they're feeling that in their cellular level. I mean, you, you feel that when you listen to yep. it, you know, your cells begin to feel that joy. Right. And, and yes. you, can, you can imagine as if you're transported magically to that place, right. That yes. you can feel that in your cells, that joy and that love and that connection with, with their, uh, you know, with the plants and the animals and everything that surrounds them, that that is their joy. And I think it's just, um, it's it's wonderful to be able to experience that. When you think about here in the United States, I mean, our history is a couple hundred years old, right? And there, and and so we don't quite have these similar things. I mean, we have some anthems and some things like that, that, that kind of root us together and, and create some kind of a national pride. But at the same time, we don't have these the roots, right? Those yeah. Roots. These long standing things, these traditions that, that our ancestors have done. And, you know, we're, oh, we're a melting pot. So we're pulling from lots of different places lots, ancestrally, yeah. but um, I, I love learning about countries in this way because you're learning that you're learning that deep rooted joy that people have for for the place yep. that they live. Yeah, my dad and I, when I was in, uh, oh, it's one of our happiest memories. I think pretty much from the fourth grade on, my dad loved Yugoslavia, and um, there was nothing to explain it. You know, in this lifetime, he wasn't connected to Yugoslavia. He didn't have any Yugoslavian uh, genetics, nothing. But he loved Yugoslavia and he would take me dancing and we were, we would learn these Yugoslavian folk dances. And as a little girl, you know, I was in the maybe fourth and fifth grade. And I still remember like these dances of weaving in and out of each other. And there was one that was like, and we'd like do this chain and, and it was like, wow, you know, what a big part of my childhood was that, that yeah. folk dancing with dad. And, um, it's just so, yeah. And of course, I also meaningful. I mean, everything, oh, meaning. everything has purpose. I love it. Yeah. The first time I ever heard Irish music, I was like, okay, that's home. That's my home. That's, that's where I come from. I mean, I was like, my mom played the thistle and the shamrock, which is a show with Fiona Ritchie on a K, KPFK, which was a radio station in Los Angeles. And I was like 12 years old, maybe. And my mom just played this show and they started doing some simple, like traditional Irish music. I came running up from downstairs. What is that? What? Cause I'd never heard Irish music. Right. I mean, yeah. I was 12 and I'd never heard it. And I was like, mom, what, what is that? Like it was the food from the faraway homeland. And she's like, Oh honey, that's an Irish song. And I'd be like, okay, for the rest of my life, you know, that is 
the music of my soul or one of them, you know, but yeah. And look at what an incredible seed that she planted in you, right? That, that you could recognize in your soul, something that felt um, strong and unique and different from what you're used to in your daily life. And that's kind of, that's kind of our hope with our boxes is that we can inspire some little seed to be planted in someone that, um, you know, that, that they can grow their mind, they can grow their heart and their soul into, you know, exploring other cultures and communities and learning more than beyond their own bubble that they grow up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so beautiful. So I wanted to ask you about, because we had talked about this as well, um, the bravery that, you know, that that you have as you travel, because I really, really respect that. I myself have a, you know, some suffering from panic attacks and I'm a, you know, I'm a very much like a homebody that's like, mm, just, just, let's just keep it the same and I'd be home with my husband and I can sleep in bed and my own bed. And so I, and yet when I get called to travel, I go because my spirit will not be denied. So I would love to hear about your experience with that. Yeah. So um, one of the things that was always interesting to me, you know, we we never can fully understand somebody's experience with things. We only see what, what it looks like from the outside, right? So right. when we were traveling a lot initially, we had so many people saying, well, how are you traveling so much? And, you know, how do you do this with your kids? Um, how... How, how is this even possible? We know what you make in your in your regular jobs. Like, what? How is this possible for you? And and what they didn't know was all the struggle behind the scenes to get to the place that we were. Right. right. So they just saw these beautiful Instagram photos and these curated things of us taking our kids on our trip. It must be so nice, you know. But what yeah. you don't see is that every one of us in our house have some form of mental health struggle. So um, whether it's, uh, you know, panic attacks, whether it's, um, you know, really just needing to have a home base and not being able to function from hotel room to hotel room. Yes. um, You know, and and for myself, I am deathly afraid, or I was, of turbulence. So anytime that plane started bumping along, I would start sweating, I would start crying, I would grab the seat in front of me, um, and my poor husband is like, travel man, like, we we got this, we're going to be great, you know, and, and he would explain scientifically to me, here's what, here's what it takes for a plane to be kept in the air, and and that helped me to understand okay, this is a safe thing. I don't need to be afraid. We would start looking at statistics. Um, you know, here's how many planes actually crash and here's how many planes actually experience very scary turbulence. And most of the time, it's just like a little bump in the road, like if you were on a road trip. And so over time, I I learned ways that I could cope. I also did some therapies. I would, um, I, I learned some things that worked for me that helped my brain to comprehend that it was okay that I was safe. Um, But still to this day, and you know, I've been traveling for years and years still to this day, if we hit a rough patch in the air, I immediately go to my place of, you know, my meditation place. And I focus on the things that I know that help me. Um, But I also had this thought, if I can't take care of myself in the air, 
how will I ever take care of my children? And luckily they're at a point now where they're teenagers and, you know, they can put on their own masks just fine for themselves. But I had to teach them how to get there because they also had their own struggles. And so I think, you know, it's not, it's not easy. It's not, life is not all roses for the people who are traveling. We still, we still have these struggles, right? And we still, we, we have to work through the things that, that are so important to us. If somebody told me you'll never be able to visit another country ever, I I don't know what I would do. What what will I do now? You know, that's oh. that is a part of me that, you know, in my cells, in my soul is something that I feel like I I just want to visit everyone in the world. I want to meet people. I want to understand why they do what they do and I want to taste their food because man, I love travel. I love traveling. (laughs) Yes. The food is amazing. Hey, I have a question for you because I'm, I'm seeing your Mexican flag in your, in your beautiful array of all your different flags. And my husband and I just got back from Mexico. Um, And it was, it was a good trip, but it was also hard because um, in Cancun, the a lot of people were trying to take advantage of us yeah we were you know given illegal tickets that really weren't legal which we ended up paying because we thought they were legal Mm -hmm. (laughs) right we paid 180 american dollars because um somebody convinced us that we that they were giving us a speeding ticket and they weren't a real (laughs) right they had the clothes but um we learned that only the oh i hope i get this right only that there's only there's a certain branch of government that can give tickets and mm-hmm. can't it has to be the the highway road patrol whatever and so but we didn't know that and the rent a car place completely took advantage of us like just charging us fifteen hundred dollars of insurance right mm-hmm. so here's one of my questions <laughs> is like what what and I don't know um, what you guys know about this but what do you do in Mexico to rent a car, right? And not get hit with this, you know, ex- exorbitant extra insurance. Yeah. Um, I don't know specifically about Mexico, but I can tell you in uh, Costa Rica, we have the same problem. So mm-hmm. we hadn't done our research ahead of time to understand fully how it worked. And so yes. when we landed and they said, well, you need to buy this insurance you know, initially our thought was, oh, they're just trying to take advantage of us. I, we're yeah. not paying this. And so I actually sat outside of the the rental car agency. I mean, it was early in the morning and I'm frantically searching on my phone, right? What do we I do? I have research, yep. Yeah. Had I done the research ahead of time, I would have known that there are actually better companies to buy the insurance through and it, we could have saved quite a bit of money to mm-hmm. buy them in the right way. Um, but, but as it was, we, we had no other options at that point and we just had to pay it. So we yeah, learned totally our lesson because yeah. we did too. And Frank was afraid to even tell me, cause he thought I'd get so mad, but I was like, wow, they really, you know, and my friend did, my friend said, you know, during the high season in Mexico, they make as much money as they possibly can. And they're making it for their families because yeah. you know, during the low season, it's going to be hard to put food on the table. 
Yeah. So I, it helped me a little bit. I was like, okay, okay, this is feeding families. You know, this is, but I was hope, still pissed off. really hope that's the case, right? I was still really, really pissed off. I was like, yeah, oh. the only advice I can give really is, um, YouTube, right? Just, Go on YouTube yeah, learn as much as you can. YouTube is, is a great resource. People have written blog post after blog post. I mean, there have been hundreds of thousands of travel bloggers out there you know writing yeah, about giving these. us the information we need yeah, yeah the, so the information is there before you go anywhere just do some searches to find yeah. out you know what what's the right thing to do we can't but we can't always know everything right? i like so. that this conversation right is is going out there because it'll save someone else right right <laughs> this, this experience yeah, because you get to the foreign country and, you know, often you're tired from travel, you have a time change, you have to deal with a lot of things, you know, your baggage and your, oh, just everything. Also, if you go to the Cancun airport, make sure you have like a water bottle because they have no water there. Yeah. No water. And 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 you can't drink the filtered water. No. Nope. I mean, not, not the, not, sorry, you can't drink the water fountain. This is no, in fact, I don't think there even is a water fountain. So there's no water. So just make sure you have a big thing of water when you're going to Cancun, because you're not going to be able to get any until you leave the airport. Right, right. <laughs> well, and, and there's so many things, like it really doesn't matter where you go in the world, there will be something interesting about it, right? So uh, we went to Germany and I, I'm a water drinker. I mean, you can, I I've had my water here with me this whole, you know, this whole conversation and yep, I'm a water drink. Me too. It's all, we didn't know in Germany that their beverage really is just beer. Like everyone just drinks a beer with all their, with all of their oh meals. And, and so we would ask for water and they would kind of look at us like, what do you need water for? <laughs> well, I drink water. Thank you. So uh, they would bring oh they would bring these tiny little cups of water and they would never refill them in most of the restaurants we went to and thought do you you know where's the water so we would just be in the habit of going to the the convenience store or the gas station or something like that and just buying big bottles of water yeah bringing them with us in our backpack because we needed water more than they were able to provide us wow. and i remember crossing the border from germany into um into france and the first thing we sat down at a cute little um cafe and they brought us this giant carafe of water and I cried it's water <laughs> oh, oh, oh that's so yeah it's because water is like such a primary you know right. it's so it's so in us and so when it's not provided it's like wow yeah and then you get to France it's like oh what is here yeah <laughs> and and it's just so interesting that no matter where you go there's going to be something that you're not used to there's going to be something that you have to learn um or that you have to decide isn't a priority for you to have that need met right so right you know and and that's okay that's what we do because we want to travel because our intention is to have these experiences as a family and so we're willing to to deal with some of the tough stuff to to yeah have yeah. you know it's a trade-off for us it's worth it it's a trade-off yeah driving in mexico was like oh it was like a free-for-all you get to like you know in uh, america at a stop sign you know the person on the right has the right away right so if you stop 
if there's a tie, you pick the person on the right to go through the stop sign. In Mexico, the bravest person goes through the stop sign. If there's no rules, it's just whoever doesn't mind maybe getting hit is going to be the one that goes through the stop sign. And the passing, it caters to passing. If you're going slow, man, you better, the, the oncoming traffic can go into the oncoming lane in order to pass the person. Yeah. You ha everything has to adjust to the person passing. Yeah. You're just like, oh my God, my husband's just like, oh my God. We, he drove like 800 miles in Mexico and, and it was just like, whoa. <laughs> and, and now look back and think about all these incredible stories you have to tell, right? We survived, we survived driving in Mexico. We felt yeah. that way a little bit about driving in Costa Rica because it was pretty wild too. And uh, the roads, most of the roads were updated, thank goodness. But we'd heard we'd heard terrible stories about the road quality, and we fully anticipated losing the car in a pothole somewhere. <laughs> so it's yeah. these incredible stories that we have to tell, right? We um, one time we were on a train coming back from Italy. We were training back into France. And there was a train strike, but we had dealt with the train strike through the whole trip. And so we just kind of learned to go with the flow. We had to deal with it. Well, on that very last train into um, Nice, France is where we were headed. That's where our flights were leaving. Um, we, we had stopped at this train station. It was the last station on the border between Italy and France. And our train didn't move again. We sat there for 20 minutes or so. And we thought, wow. well... We gave it a few minutes, giving, you know, the benefit of the doubt, like maybe there's, maybe we have to wait for a timing schedule issue or whatever. Well, finally, by the time we got up to figure out what was going on, we looked at, we got off the train and looked out and our, our cabin, our um, train had been unhooked from the engine and left in the train station. Oh my goodness. Nobody told us. That they were going to leave us in the train station. Nobody communicated that you need to get off and change onto another train. Nobody or... told you. So we just were left. So we had to pay a lot of money to a cabbie to drive us from that station into Nice to to hopefully catch our plane. And it was an international flight. And so we had to be there several wow. hours in advance or they were not going to let us through security. And it was quite the um, drama to get to that airport, but uh, we survived. We made it. We they they barely made it, let us on the train on the plane, and and we have this funny story to tell. Now. Yeah, you have the stories, right? The stories are amazing. Yeah, our GPS when we got to um, this little town on the coast uh, south of Cancun which I'm not remembering right now, our GPS led us literally in circles. Like it didn't, it couldn't compute how to get to the hotel. It just couldn't do it. And we were tired. We had been driving a long way. And I was just, you know, I was like at my wits end. I was just like crying and anxious and just had reached the end of my rope. And we got there. Finally, my husband, I said, honey, just turn off the GPS because I know it's on that street. So just get to that street and make a left. We have to do it. Don't listen to the GPS. So 
<laughs> and also, you know, I know you know this, like when couples are in cars and a GPS is going and one of them's trying to interpret what the GPS is saying, this is like high risk for conflict. Yeah. Because the one who's trying to give the signal is like, it is trying to control and the other person is feeling like, but you're not giving me what I need. And so it's really high risk, man. Travel is one of those times yes. when you when you find out how strong your relationship you really do. is. Yeah. And so we got there, right? And we come in to the lobby and I'm just like beside myself right now. I was just, I was crying. I was like, this was big. And um, the woman, the woman behind the desk is like, she's like, oh, she goes, it's actually very easy. She was completely invalidating the experience, which just like Frank looked at her and he's just like, no, you know, no, you, you, you need to validate. Then I bet a bunch of people come in there, but there's some people, you know, at the reception, they're just like, oh, it's all wonderful. And it would be so much better if they said, yeah, it, it is tricky. Yeah. Right. It's tricky and we need to kind of, gosh, maybe we need to do a write-up in our brochure of how right. to get of how to get here when we're booking you on Airbnb. You know, we, we need to do um have an extra something like that. But but it's just inter it was a what an experience. Yeah. And there's some noise in the background here. It's because my two cats, you know, one of them just like threw up on the rug. The other one is like climbing up the scratching post. I mean it was like so welcome to life noises these cats madeline this morning our one um calico cat she got fed by frank in the early morning like six o'clock and then i didn't know she was fed and she got another me another meal from me at eight o'clock so the woman the cat is living high on the hog today I mean, it's like oh. i have guinea pigs who manipulate me like that they are total <laughs> manipulators like you don't know that daddy already fed me. Ooh, I'm so hungry. Look, I'm wasting away. <laughs> I'm wasting away. Yeah. She's starting to get chubby again. But anyway, so if you hear disturbances in the force, it's my cats causing havoc. That's another no thing. That when we travel, we have to have, you know, pet sitters. Yeah. You know, especially like for dogs, right? For getting them walks and everything. But for cats, you know, you kind of have to have someone here too. They get disturbed if you're away for too long, but yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. another story. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's fun. So I want to ask you, so when you look back on the many places that you've traveled, what are, what is like, maybe what are two or three of the places that really stand out for you? You know what I mean? That are like the highlights. Yeah, we went to Japan in the fall last year, and that was a whirlwind trip. We weren't really prepared to go because we'd canceled the trip several times. And they weren't, their borders weren't open yet, even up until, you know, the fall, well, the summer of 2022, we weren't sure we were going to be able to take the trip. And, and I didn't want to let myself down. And so I didn't, I didn't plan the trip, really, because I didn't want to have to cancel all the things. And and then it came down to less than 30 days before our departure date that we found out we were going to be able to go. Oh, wow. And we had like 30 days to get everything in line and to get everything ready and to go. And, and typically I'm, you know, I'm like six months out. 
to plan my international trips like that because I want to learn the language a little bit and I want to understand the culture and, it, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. So I want to make sure I'm following the rules and I understand the transportation system. And I mean, I'm, I'm a very plan friendly kind of person. Let's have a plan yes. <laughs> so that we can mitigate some of the scary stuff that happens. And a lot of that stems from my own mental health needs. Right. But um, there are plenty of people in the world who don't have to do that. But for me, I, it, it's what works for me. And so just hopping on a plane and landing and showing up and hoping for the best was a, quite the experience for sure. Oh, um, my wow. oldest son, he's 15 now. And he, let's see, he was 14 at the time. He said, before we were going to leave about a week before, he said, mom, I need to tell you, I'm really nervous about this trip because we are not as as prepared as we are for a lot of the other trips that we take. He said, I feel like we're just going to offend them with our actions. And I feel like we're just, we're not ready. Maybe we should cancel. And, and I really, I enjoyed that he came to me and said, I'm, I'm struggling with this. What do we do? Right. So we went through his list, kind of bullet point items of what he was worried about. And we were able to talk through them and, you know, work through them. And some of them I said, there's really nothing we can do at this point. It is what it is. And we'll just do the best we can. And, you know, he's okay with that being a 14 year old, a little bit. Okay. But he's just, okay. I want to go. I really would like to go. Mm -hmm. So we'll just, we'll do the best we can. Oh, that's so but, good. And that's a good lesson, you know, to be able to live in some unknown is really kind of it's a maturity of our yeah. of our soul and in the especially in these times where yeah. so much is changing to have that ability to live in the unknown yeah. and to plan but to also be able to know okay there's an edge here there's a cliff here i can't see but i'm gonna trust right yeah. i'm gonna trust yeah, yeah. then what happens so yeah. well and so we get there and um, we, we couldn't have been more welcomed by any group of people. They were, uh, you know, excited to have us. We, we love Disney, um, theme parks. And so we went to the Disney theme parks there. We also went to the universal theme park, but we do a lot of cultural things as well, but Disney is just fun for us. So we wanted to see what it was like there. And, and the people were so welcoming and so excited to see us and you know obviously happy to have tourists back in their in their country but yeah um, so helpful in some cases a little too helpful <laughs> sometimes it was like no we're good we got this but um, <laughs> they I don't know I just felt like um you know sometimes you go places and you just feel a little bit out of place you feel like maybe I'm not quite welcome here or they don't really want me because of misunderstandings right, or yeah. know, some political turmoil, things that they've heard about Americans or whatever. You deal with that. Um, but but that was not the case here. They were so welcoming and helpful. And, you know, a lot of the transportation things are written in English. So it was easier for us to, to make the train transfers that we needed to. Mm -hmm. Everything is so streamlined and clean and I don't know. I, I probably would live in Japan if 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 I needed to move somewhere, I would move to Japan. I loved it. Um, <laughs> and my family loves the food too. So that's a really easy thing for us to, you know, we wouldn't have to change the way that we eat. Um, but there was just something calming and something just welcoming about Japan that mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I and it's one of those things, like you said, you can't quite 
explain. Mm-hmm. There's just something about it that I loved. And and I didn't know that until we got there. That that, that, yeah, that, that you'd have that experience. So what what part of Japan did you go to Tokyo or did you go out? Yeah, so we did Tokyo, Osaka, and Kyoto. And we did, you know, really the the ancient things in Kyoto because it's just packed with such historical significance. But um and then Tokyo is just so modern and and it's so I mean it's much more modern than here in the United States and and the yeah. incredible things that they're doing with technology there that was just it was such a stark difference to go from Kyoto to Tokyo wow and, yeah know, and see that just uh, a couple of hours on a train and you're in a completely different you know environment and and that was really cool too Wow. And so the boys had a great time too. Oh, they love it. And my youngest is a Pokemon addict, I will say. So he was thrilled with all the Pokemon things. Um, my oldest loves trains and their technology with trains is just amazing. So we went to a really cool train museum there and, you know, and, and they love Japanese food. They'll eat sushi of any kind. They're, they're pretty brave about trying strange mm-hmm. food so that wasn't always the case it's grown in they have grown in their adventurous um food sampling but that's great yeah it was it was amazing and I, all of us have said when are we going back six months nine months when are we going <laughs> oh that's so great and so um wow that's so beautiful a friend of mine just took a trip like pretty much circumnavigating the whole globe and uh, his last stop was Japan. And so he sent so many beautiful videos and um, he's very metaphysical. He channels the Pleiadians and he does cacao ceremonies and he does all kinds of things. And his friend in Japan just organized so many groups for him. He met so many people and, you know, the the people were so joyful to participate in these things. And so I was like, wow. It's a, and I have another friend who just adores Japan. So maybe sometime I'll go to Japan. Okay. So what, how about another one that kind of stands out for you? Yeah. Um, I, I don't like bugs. I'll tell you that I do not like bugs. <laughs> and my youngest son does not like bugs either. I understand. Um, we, I will tolerate them because I, I live on, in, on the planet with them, but they're not my favorite. And I get a little creeped out sometimes, but, uh, we went to Costa Rica and we booked a nighttime jungle tour (laughs) we were equipped with a tiny little flashlight to shine our way and it had just rained that day and the day before so much so that there were flooding in certain parts of the country and there were a few people that had actually lost their lives in the floods and their house collapse and things so it was a pretty significant uh thing happening in the country but luckily where we were was pretty safe but it was wet and so all of the animals were out, all of the critters yeah. were out. So we walked through this at night in in a in a situation that I was just terrified to be in. Um, and I so I had to channel my inner, like, I'm okay, I'm okay, this is gonna be okay. And uh I actually became a better spotter of the critters than the tour guide that we were with. And so I would start pointing out things. Oh, did you guys see that? Did you see that? And some people were kind of annoyed by by my ability to see them. But I said, I need you to understand that if I can see them, I feel okay. If they yeah. start me, I'm, I'll just run and, and like, it's done. 
I'll be done. Right. So there, was this, uh, there was this time where we were walking through uh, this area and there was a big tree branch that was in the way and everybody was going around the tree branch, but my husband was kind of not paying attention and he about walked into the tree branch, but he didn't want to get scratched up. So right, right yeah. at this last second, he ducked. And I said, you did not see within like an inch of your face was the biggest walking stick bug that I have ever seen in my life. I mean, bigger than his head. It was huge. And that was almost on your face. And he's like, oh, well, that would have been kind of cool. Different we are. Yeah. yeah. And as as we finished, we had to go through this really muddy area, but they had these tires. And I thought, I don't want to know what's living in the tires. I don't want to know. We were just hopping over these tires to get us through to the other side. And there, I mean, there's deathly snakes in the, and lots of scary spiders in this area. But I just, I did it. I was brave and I did it. And yes. as we were getting through, there was a handrail that you could use because it was so muddy and kind of slippery. Yeah. I, I had to touch the handrail to jump over this piece. So I went to touch the handrail and luckily I looked before I touched, but there was a spider about the size of my hand on the oh, hand, right where I was gosh. about to touch. And I screamed, of course, because it startled me, you know, and there were plenty of people in that group that said, why would you agree to go on this tour if you were so terrified of all these things? And I said, because I don't want to live in in fear of you know and never experience things i want to experience them in a way that i feel safe and that i can do it but if i can't always be safe then then i'm just gonna have to be brave and do this and so I know. yeah it's so good you know i remember sitting out um uh on venice beach we were uh, raised in santa monica and venice and um a gorgeous area yeah and my brother was surfing you know a lot and i was like i want to surf you know i want to surf i want to i want to body surf i want to i want to go out i want to go out past the waves i want to because i'd sit on this shore and i'd be afraid and i'd be like i'm scared i don't think i what if it gets i get pulled out and i'm scared and i don't know but that feeling of like needing to just do it anyway and i remember um my brother he took me out surfing and I had so much fun that, that day. And then another day I did get pulled out pretty far. You know, I was in a riptide and it was a strong riptide. And this guy on a surfboard who was way, way out there, just let me just hang on his surfboard for a while. And then he, he, he was there to help me swim back in and I'm a good swimmer, but there was that fear. Right. Yeah. But it's like, it all worked out. It, it's like, and I felt like, whoa, I did it, you know, I went out, I went out into this, into this scary thing. And, and it's like that, you know, it's like Susan Jeffers, I think is her name. She wrote a book, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Right. Because, and there's that great line in, I don't know the movie, maybe it's called it. So I think Richard Gere is in it. It's about, it's like the last dance of something, but it says a life lived in fear is a life half lived. Yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing line. So I really admire that. Um, one practical question that's really coming to me. Yeah, is um, so in your box, you have the ways to experience the country, you know, without travel, but then you also help advise people about when they're actually traveling. So I'm wondering, um, 
how those two relate. Are they part of the box or is, do you have a. Yeah, so in the magazine, and in fact, I'll show you, um, I'll show you, the listeners won't be able to see it, but I actually create this, it's like a 20 page magazine that I design, and I write the articles for it, I include all of the travel tips and everything, but inside the magazine is really good information about if you want to go, here's some highlights of things you won't want to miss. And okay. I'm all about unique things, right? So yeah. I'll point out, okay, here's the touristy things you should see because you don't want to miss them. But here's the unique things that you really should go check out too. Um, and so, yeah, in the magazine, there's a little bit of that. Um, and in our other uh, our other business where we teach people how to use the points, um, that is where we get really deep into, okay, now you're ready to go. Here's how we how to do this. Okay, yeah. so you've got yeah. two separate businesses. Yeah. So what are the names of the of your different business? Yeah, so our box is called the Take Me With You Box. And the reason we named it that is because every time we tell somebody we're going somewhere, the first thing they say is, oh, take me with you. Can I fit in your suitcase? You know? Oh, that and is so, so cool. We, we actually created, I'm going to show you, we created our box to look like a suitcase. Oh, it does and look like that. Yes. It's this cute little thing of like, okay, if I can't take you with me on my trip, then let me show you a little bit about this country. And we actually, uh, when we came back from Japan, we did a box about Japan and, and shared our experiences there. Mm -hmm. uh, when we went to Costa Rica and we did a, a cacao ceremony there and we learned all about cacao and how it was harvested, we came back and did a box all about cacao in Costa Rica. So a lot of the box comes from our own travel experiences. Yeah. I wish that we could go a new place every month and, you know, create all of our boxes that way, but um, yeah, someday, that's but the that's goal someday. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the box. And then our other company is called Connected Family Travel, which probably doesn't surprise you because a lot of what we talk about is the connection that we create when we travel together as a family. So yeah, connected those are our two companies. Travel. Okay, cool. Take me with you and Connected Family Travel. Yep. Beautiful. So do you have another place that stands out for you? Let's see, we've got Japan, Costa Rica with all the bugs and the car. Uh, well, and the thing about Costa Rica is if I had not braved through the bugs, that was day one of our trip. If yeah. I had not braved through the bugs, um, I would have missed out on that cacao ceremony and to uh -huh. understand where the cacao, you know, the, the sacred roots and the sacred traditions that they have from the women in the tribe there. And I would have missed that. And I would have missed the beautiful beach that we stayed in, in this gorgeous little property that we stayed in. And, uh, and you know, the trade-off was so different. Um, we, we had an open air bungalow and we had little uh, geckos that were climbing all over in the place that we stayed inside. Oh, geckos, um, yeah. And that scared me at first. They never touched me. They never climbed on me or anything, but, um, they a couple of times they would fall from the ceiling because it was a pretty high ceiling oh, but i learned that they were eating the mosquitoes that were trying to come into the bungalow at night and so i thanked them and told them you know how much i appreciated that they were eating the little tiny bugs that i didn't want to get bit by so i learned a lesson there as well i think um you know most of the experiences that i have that are are my favorite probably have something to do with a crazy thing that happened while we were there. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because we love we love things that are memorable, that are meaningful, you know, that yeah. bring us, there's the things that are the most unique, you know, and kind of maybe at the moment are like, wow, you know, kind of put us off. But 
they're the things that bring us into the present moment. I mean, yeah. I mean, of course, beauty really brings us into the present moment for sure. But also, you know, just like, oh my God, look how wild this is. Yeah. Right into the moment. And it's like, whoa. And hey, so we survived. We survived. So yeah. now did you have to walk through that trail where all the bugs were to get to your bungalow? Well, it was kind of a, a round trip um, side thing that we did. And so we could stay in our bungalow without having to go, you know, to get around. But um, it was an optional tour that we decided to to do and we thought it was a great idea and, yeah. and it was it was fun but um, <laughs> but quite an adventure the other thing that stands out to me I think was the first time that we took the kids out of the country and uh, they learned French in when they were in elementary school they learned French in a, um, a dual immersion program and so 50% of the time in school they were speaking French and uh, and, you know, that we chose to do that. We actually moved to a school, uh, we, you know, bought a house in the area of the school that taught that because we wanted that experience for our kids. It's a local public school, so it didn't cost us anything to send them there. But um, we were driving, I think it was two hours total drive time every day. And I said, we can't drive like this anymore. We'll just buy the house closer. So we ended up moving. But um, when we when we went to Europe with them, and they they could converse with these kids in France. That was a memorable experience for me because all of their hard work learning the language, you know, and, and in a tangible way, they learned how to how to do math in French and they learned a, a lot of you know things. Yeah. So they were practically French, right? seeing the benefit of that. Right. So right. often we learn in school and we really don't see the practical benefit of it. Right. To so learn and immediately be able to see that, that, feel that, live that. Yeah. Right. So we took them to a park um, in Paris that was just, you know, a normal park for all the kids, all the local Parisian kids to go to. And um, and we didn't even really think about it at the time. Like, well, our kids are young. They like the park. Let's go to the park and give them a chance to run around. And um, and and we had been at a museum, I think, for half of the day. So they were kind of bored and a little bit grumpy. And so this was our way to say, okay, now it's your time. Here's, you know, here's some fun. And and my husband and I stayed outside of the bounds of the park because it, it was like a, a, a gated park. It was very, very safe. And I loved that concept about it because they couldn't wander away or somebody couldn't wander them away, you know? Yeah. Um, so we just, we, we were observers. My husband and I were just silent observers to the whole thing and watching them communicate with these other little kids at a park in their native language that, that my kids could speak. And so there was never this like, oh, I'm nervous because I don't speak the language or uh, you know, there's a language of play, right? So everyone knows how to swing and how to slide, how to go down a slide. But, right. you know, there's this universal language of play, but they could also communicate. And so there was this one little girl, um, her, her older brother was being kind of a stinker to her. He was being bossy and kind of mean. Uh -huh. And my oldest son went up to him and said, oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't treat our siblings that way. You need to be nicer to your sister. And my husband and I just about died laughing on the side on the sideline because he is quite a stinker to his brother. Oh, that's he, funny. Did he say that in French? 
yes yes so he just went up to him and oh no no we need to be nice you know and and we were looking at this like you were just like yeah right brother and you're telling this kid to stop being mean to his sister it was I don't know it just (laughs) there was just such an ease for them to to communicate and to jump right into this culture and uh we learned not to ask them to order food for us my husband speaks French but we learned not to ask them like will you speak French why don't you communicate with the adult because we don't do that here if we go to a restaurant you know as little kids we don't ask them to order their own food you know right from the get-go and so we we did make a few mistakes assuming that they would be able to use that language to their benefit they still were kids and they were still afraid of strangers and and the communication there but um we actually got stopped on the way home we were flying out in the airport and there was a gate agent that stopped us because we hadn't received the right kind of sticker in our passport to leave uh-huh. and, and i don't know if we missed the wrong we missed the security line that we were supposed to something happened we just didn't get the sticker and they pulled us aside and started interrogating our kids because they spoke uh, french they had assumed that we were kidnapping them. <laughs> and so my oldest oh my goodness like series of questions to prove that it's, we were parents yeah. and, oh. them. and then they complimented us and said, Wow, his communication skills are incredible and his ability to communicate in French to adults, we were convinced for quite some time. And then they said, How did you make it through without getting the sticker? And we said, We really don't know what happened, but we just want to go home. Can we go home now? <laughs> Please go home. Yeah, yeah, you're having to prove. Oh my God. And in that case, the 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 real proficiency in the language is like working against you. You're just like, whoa. And some it's interesting because some people who learn languages, like I'm one of these people, since I'm a, a musician, right? And I'm very auditory. Mm-hmm. I can like hang around with my Swedish friend for like an hour. And people think I'm Swedish because <laughs> I can get you. the exact inflection. And like with Spanish, like all the the people that in Mexico were like, "Are you, you know, are you from here? Your Spanish is so because I just merge, right? It's also, it's also the Pisces moon, man. Getting into astrology a little bit. If you have Pisces moon, you can really merge with an entire like the tone." and the feel and then people just they get confused they think oh you you know you grew up here you are yeah here and you're like no 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 and then two seconds later you could do it in japanese and 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 it's perfect it's exactly right for that so but then other people they kind of struggle and it's not they don't quite merge with it and they're the ones that people are going to be like oh yeah that's a tourist (laughs) but your kids sound kind of like the you know the ones that actually really kind of become the language and yeah i've never made that connection but they both have really good ear for uh, music and for sounds and things and so yeah the musicians yeah yeah that makes sense to why to why their accents were so much better than some of the that's why you're getting accused of kidnapping (laughs) right oh god that's just wild yeah Oh, well, it's, gosh, we're, we're pretty much at our hour, but it's been a joy to talk to you, Mandy, and really just, um, it's, I think it's just so beautiful what you're doing and, and exciting, you know, because a lot of us are not going to ever travel as much as you do. 
and and then some of us who do want to travel can really benefit from all the things that you have learned and so yeah we'll have in the show notes we'll have all the links so that people can purchase you know this, these beautiful take me with you boxes and uh and then uh, the connected family travel with all yeah that. we would love to have everybody come on the adventures with us it really is so much more fun to do it together and one of the taglines we use is fuel, fuel your global curiosity together and uh you know we just come back to that that um value of doing everything together with intentions mm -hmm. and you guys getting back a little into the astrology so you know jupiter it'd be interesting to look at your charts because you and your husband probably have the jupiter's the big planet for travel right so you've probably got and when you've got the i don't know i don't know much astrology but when you have a certain like sign in jupiter you, you have to travel yeah you, just, you have to it's not like a choice you know you have there's, to. No, there's no other option there's I mean, no option and so so you're definitely got you must have that if my roommate were awake she'd be like oh yeah yeah yeah. she has that in jupiter and, uh, we may have to have another conversation <laughs> i'm curious about all that stuff <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah so thank you so much for being on um agents of healing and beauty and thank you for all you do and um yeah we'll have another conversation for sure thank you so much sarah okay bye-bye mandy okay everybody so that's our show for today and we'll see you in the next episode mm -hmm.